Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. In this conversation, I interview Sergey Kotler, the CEO of BitRefill. BitRefill allows you to purchase gift cards using cryptocurrency. They have an integration with the Lightning Network, focus on Bitcoin. They started off by offering mobile top-ups. Uh, Sergey is a eclectic character. We had an awesome conversation. We started off by talking about his business, his background, how he got into it. I personally had a semi-competitive business for three years. So it was fascinating to talk about the industry. Uh, at Redeem, where I was working, we allowed people to trade Bitcoins in the marketplace uh, for gift cards, and he buys them directly from retailers and gift card companies and then resells them. So we talked about the gift card market, how it all works, how the money flow happens. Apparently, bit refill and gift card purchases are the top way that people spend cryptocurrency. Uh, we then talked about El Salvador, the impacts that countries have by adopting cryptocurrency. And we talked about the Ukraine-Russia situation, the fiscal policies involved there, and long-term views on that situation. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sergey, CEO of BitRefill. All right, Sergey, here we are. Uh, I love what you're working on. We have a lot of shared background, crypto. Bitcoin, gift cards, where they are together. BitRefill is a project that you've been working on for a long time. Um, give me the high-level description of what Bit BitRefill is and maybe how you got into it. I'd be I'm curious to hear what your story is on how you got into into the game. Uh, sure. I mean, that's two big stories. Um, I mean, sure. high-level what BitRefill is, is that... Uh, uh, if you want to buy something with cryptocurrency in the real world, uh, Bitrefill is the best and the most popular place uh, to do so. Um, we, uh, our bread and butter product is uh, is gift cards. So you go on the site and uh, you get a gift card for, uh, you know, Uber or Hotels.com or uh, whatever it is that you want. Uh, we have gift cards in over 100 countries, and it's a super streamlined experience. You don't even need to register an account or anything. You just go on the site, click, 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 and you're, you're on your way shopping. Uh, we recently launched uh, bill payments in the US as well, uh, which is a cool new thing that uh, not so many have uh, yet. And, and there you'll be able to pay your, your credit card bills, your mortgage, your social security, your insurances, whatever it is. Um, so that's what we do. We're trying to, to build a world in which uh, yeah, it's no less strange uh, to open your uh, your Bitcoin or crypto wallet uh, than it is to, uh, you know, having conversations over video or 
uh, all of the other things that we do every day that seemed uh, strange and foreign and futuristic uh, some years back. Uh, the circular economy uh, of cryptocurrency. Totally. Um, yeah, my backstory, I mean, uh, 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 you know, some companies uh, tend to say it's a little bit like uh, like with children. Some of them are planned and some of them just happen, uh, right? And I think uh, companies are like that as well. Uh, some companies are carefully planned with a business plan and so on. Betrifle is uh, the kind that just happened a little bit. It started as a very small experiment. Uh, I've been reading a lot of stuff about how, you know, if you work in the, uh, in the, uh, and then it was just a Bitcoin space, um, you're going to get hacked and you're going to, uh, uh, get robbed and this and that and all of these bad things. And I was like very, I always, um, I think from the early days, uh, paid a lot of attention to like, uh, the sort of, uh, the unsexy opinion leaders, uh, the the dirty ones that say they use bad words and uh, and that uh, uh, have controversial views and so on. And uh, so uh, the first version of Bitrefill uh, was a service where you could uh, buy phone uh, top ups. Uh, so for prepaid phones, and you can go on the site and uh, you could and can still uh, get a phone balance uh, to your phone in like over a hundred countries. Um, and yeah, that was uh, like a very small experiment uh, really to like, Hey, what can we do with uh, this Bitcoin thing? Well, maybe we sell something. What can we sell? Well, yeah, that doesn't require shipping cause, uh, cause I'm lazy. Um, and, and so, were you just, uh, were you just exploring ideas like as a hacker part-time from your side job and, wanted to get into crypto more and this is what you thought of or was there some yeah something like that i was sort of uh, i'd had a previous startup um, that had two and then the most recent one had failed uh, uh, which was a very not fun experience and uh, i was sort of uh, uh, you know getting by uh, doing consulting gigs uh, here and there um, uh, and uh, wanted to catch up on programming and i uh, uh, learned node.js and so i built uh, uh, what was the first version of uh, Bitrefill and then managed to get us into uh, to an accelerator uh, with Boost and uh, got a little bit of funding and then sort of it became gradually into into a company. And from there, we've mostly, I think, um, followed uh, uh, followed our customers and their feedback uh, and so on and uh, trying to always you know, stay close to the users and stay close to what they actually use and need and, uh, uh, and uh, try to do something where uh, we provide value and ideally when people are willing to pay for it, that's always a good, uh, good sign. Um, and uh, I think those things have, are still around in the company. We still uh, spend a tremendous amount of time uh, under trying to understand, you know, understand uh, our users and the, the general crypto audience. And I mean, it is a strange world, right? And uh, it, it's crazy that all these years in, it's still like uh, trying to understand it is a, is a big motivational factor, I think, for me and for a lot of people on the team. Yeah. And so how much have you raised so far with BitRefill? We've raised uh, less than uh, $10 million uh, lifetime. Uh-huh. And is the... Was the mobile 
refill products um, the big product that you raised on or was it really you saw attraction on the and for the well, gift cards i assume it, it, tell me is, is the model that you're going to retailers or you're going to like um those gift card networks that are the names are escaping me and you're buying them in bulk and then yeah. so you're getting a discount five seven percent something like that and then sell them that way Yes. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, you were mentioning about uh, Redeem and the peer-to-peer uh, model. Uh, we work uh, in, with uh, uh, sort of uh, with the networks, uh, the gift card wholesalers. Basically, if you go into a Walgreens in the US uh, and there's a gift card rack, that rack is provided to the store by a company, uh, and they in turn deal with all of the gift cards and all of the merchants and all of that, and they, yeah, the provide all of that right and and we we do the same the, the exact same is literally the same company it's just that we don't ship any pieces of plastic it's just digital um and uh, yeah like you said like um, uh, the way that the, it works in gift cards is that uh, when you buy a hundred dollar gift card in the store uh, you pay a hundred dollars you get a hundred dollars worth of gift card you feel like uh, this didn't cost me anything uh, but the store actually pays less uh, to the merchants and that's their mm-hmm. discount and that's what we live off of. So we're able to yeah. uh, generate revenue, but customers perceive us as uh, as being uh, no extra fees, uh, even a little bit of rewards and stuff like that. Is there? Do you sell it for a discount or is it just at cost? We sell them. At, we sell things at face value. Uh, we have rewards, and so uh, and rewards you can use at your next purchase. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, depending if you want to call that a discount or not. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I should say face value. That's a better way to say it. Uh, and it is the way my understanding is that when a retailer will sell a gift card, either through a network or directly that the, the big, the big space, the margin that the retailers realize is the loss. So maybe you know this stat, I forget what it is, but there's like, only 90% or some percentage of gift cards that are purchased are actually used. What, what, do you remember what that is? Or do you know what that, that number is? Yeah, it's, it's called breakage. Um, it, it, I mean, it varies a lot uh, depending on what kind of gift card it is and what kind of merchant, uh, you know. I mean, I have a gift card here for a uh, wine tasting experience that very well might become breakage at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas another thing uh, that you might use right away is less likely. And, uh, and then there's still, uh, I mean, uh, like our customers, like breakage is relatively low because you buy something when you're ready to buy, uh, to shop. Yeah. But there still is some, um, but it's not the whole story. Uh, really, it's not just about the breakage. Uh, uh, from the merchant side, uh, you know, gift cards is you sell a hundred dollar gift card, but the customer will buy usually not exactly exactly a hundred point zero zero dollars worth of stuff. So either it buys a little bit less, and then you keep the difference, uh, or it buys something more, and then it's a, it's a revenue driver and so on. Uh, so there's a lot of these different dynamics uh, that make uh, gift cards a very good deal for uh, for the merchants and. I guess what we've discovered, uh, and I, I think at this point it's market wisdom, is that it's the best model for uh, enabling people to to do commerce uh, in the real world with cryptocurrencies. I mean, like all the stats indicate that like sixty something percent of uh, uh, what people buy uh, with cryptocurrency is is a gift card. 
Uh, and wow, we're the largest player in that segment. Um, Interesting. Or, uh, that I know of. Uh, yeah. The peer to peer segment, I, I, I don't really include it. It's a bit special. Uh, it has kind of its own thing and some dynamics. Yeah. 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 Just as context, too, you mentioned it, but I, I ran a company uh, for people listening for three years called Redeem with three E's. Dot com And we ended up selling the company, but we were focused on allowing more peer-to-peer transactions. So people who bought gift cards, who didn't have access to bank accounts and wanted to get into crypto, could trade with people who had Bitcoin and wanted access to discounted gift cards. And we effectively built a marketplace to emphasize the fidelity of the cards and have support teams and allow people to make those trades, which in the US, at least, people don't appreciate the accessibility to the banking network and the security of that banking network and access to the crypto network that people in the US that are banks enjoy, especially for other parts of the world that just don't have that. Either it's illegal or it just hasn't been created yet, or it's just not accessible to people due to the remote areas or whatever it is. So yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating market because you don't really know it many times where it goes like you're offering the gift card people use it especially when it's international where do you see the majority or what's the breakdown of uh countries uh, people customers buy countries both on the buy and i guess you're only on the buy side you don't have a sell side but on the buy side exactly yeah well i mean if, if you count uh, so we we have gift cards in over 100 countries so uh and the the amounts vary, right? So if you imagine an American customer and then maybe an Indian customer, uh, the American one will will generate a lot more volume uh, as a rule of thumb, uh, or on average. Uh, so if you count uh, count uh, human uh, human heads, uh, then uh, we actually have quite a lot uh, in, uh, in in emerging markets. If you count in, in dollars, then the bulk of it is in uh, yeah, Western countries, the U.S., Western Europe. Uh, Places like that, um, but uh, we have a very like it's a very long tail distribution uh, of uh, uh, of countries and uh, use case scenarios and different uh, uh, different uh, yeah, peculiarities to different countries and both in terms of crypto and in terms of uh, uh, e-commerce and what people want to buy and so on. Um, mm. So so yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, it's different. What are the, some of the things that you've learned that have been the most surprising to you through this journey? Ooh. Well, um, I've learned, uh, I, I mean, the biggest thing is uh, that uh, people that, uh, that use cryptocurrency are very different from people who talk about cryptocurrency. Uh, right? Mm-hmm. If you uh, pull over if you go to a, say you sneak into a speaker's dinner at a prominent uh, conference and just grab a guy and you're like, hey, which wallet do you use? And when did you last open it to make a transaction? Uh, and they're going to be like, uh, if they have a wallet, they're like, yeah, well, I don't know. I bought a, uh, maybe at, at a conference, they'll say I bought a t-shirt with uh, with Bitcoin. Yeah, but like, like real non-gimmicky things. Uh, a lot of them, some some do, but many don't, right? And so I think that's a big realization that I've been talking about a lot lately is that you need to 
understand that uh, I mean, like Bitcoin, but also whatever crypto is a is a movement, uh, right? It's also a tool, uh, and uh, and uh, a naive understanding is that people who are in the movement also use the tool, uh, uh, and vice versa. Uh, but actually, they are very disjointed. There is an overlap, but it's much smaller than people think. Yeah, right. And uh, I mean, when you start to think about it, it kind of makes sense because you can definitely be passionate about uh, about Bitcoin and be on Twitter and go to conferences and all of that uh, and be a good Bitcoiner. But, you know, hey, I get my paycheck with regular money and I have no, no interest in buying stuff with my Bitcoin. I keep it in a uh, ultra secure multi-sig cold storage, whatever, and I don't even have access to it. Um Right, and then there's people who use it as a tool, uh, which uh, I mean, and you can just think of any tool that that you use. Uh, you know, you wouldn't like I don't know. Uh, let's say, um, uh, what's an example? Let's go to. Uh, I always bring a BitTorrent. Like, oh, I can use BitTorrent if I need to download some legal uh, Linux distribution or something like that. Uh, but I wouldn't go to a conference about it. I wouldn't go on Twitter to argue with people that use a different client than me about right. technical merits, uh, right? Uh, I will type in, you know, BitTorrent client in, in Google and I will get the one that works for my computer. Uh, and when I'm, when I'm done, I'm done. And that's the attitude that people have to a tool, uh, right? Um, uh, versus the movement, the caring, the passion and all of this in the community and the, the friends that you make and all of that stuff. Right. And, and bo- both of these things are great, but I think uh, a lot of people, a lot of people assume that there's a perfect overlap of these two groups, and it's it's not. Uh, it's uh, it's yeah, it's uh, it exists, but it's small. Uh, and I think that um, uh, for me, um, I think uh, I mean, obviously, I'm a member of the community and the movement. This is what motivates me and why I'm here, and everybody at the company as well. Yeah, well, one of the things that we sort of want to see in the world is what I think is to realize the Bitcoin dream, which is a world in which, again, which, uh, you know, people pay each other in, in Bitcoin and use it every day. And it's not a strange thing uh, or unusual or, or anything like that. And, and so for that to happen, people need to start using it as a tool. Uh, and uh, the easiest way to do that is to find people that already use it as a tool and then build something that appeals to them. Uh, and, uh, th- but that's hard, right? Cause if they're not on Twitter, then how do you reach them and so on? Yeah. They're not going to go to conferences. They're not going to listen to this podcast and so on. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a big, uh, uh, a big realization, uh, that I've had. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. 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 yeah so it sounds like you made kind of two points there. One is that the, there's two large customer groups, people who are using Bitcoin, people who talk about it, and then two, the the objective that you have through BitRefill is to attract people into more utilization of specifically Bitcoin as, as cash, something that they think of as a tender to trade with, not by analogy to gold, where gold being more of a store of value and something I wouldn't buy a candy bar with, uh, Bitcoin often to me seems as a specific currency to get lost in translation between these two value propositions. Do you see 
the Lightning Network specifically? I know you spent a lot of time researching and building on it. Do you see the Lightning Networks being specifically applicable to the cash transaction aspect of Bitcoin? Meanwhile, Bitcoin itself would be more of store of value in the long term, analogous to gold? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, well, I mean, uh, at the same time, uh, um, like most people who buy something with Bitcoin on Betrayful, they will not use Lightning, they will use an on-chain payment. Yeah, right. So um, it's still the case that Lightning is, is, is a niche even within the Bitcoin uh, group. And we can discuss why that is and so on, but I think it relates to these things, uh, right? That um, because Lightning as well, like you will have people that, you know, have a Lightning emoji in their Twitter handle or they are enthusiastic about Lightning and they want to see it. They truly deeply want it to succeed. They just don't need to use it themselves, um, right? And uh, Or don't want or whatever. Uh, and that's fine, uh, right? But but it, but it's always important to, you know, that is what product market fit is, right? You need to find who are the people who want to, who is the market that will buy the product that you're offering. Uh, and uh, uh, and that is based on the tool, uh, not on, uh, on the movement. Um, the movement... Uh, has other things that have product market fit, uh, right? Uh, conferences, books, uh, mm. uh, things like that, uh, that people in the movement uh, want uh, that help them in participating in the movement, let's say. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. If you own crypto and leave it on the exchange where you bought it, like Coinbase, that is a mistake. We've heard the news lately. Exchanges closed, accounts frozen. We're learning the hard way that crypto on exchanges is not really in your control. So what can you do about it? Well, you can get a crypto wallet and control the crypto yourself. And that's why today's show is sponsored by ZenGo. These guys realize that storing Bitcoin and storing crypto yourself can be difficult. It's risky to keep private keys. They realized this and said there's got to be a better way. So they created a crypto wallet that is fully recoverable. So say goodbye to lost Bitcoins. And the security of this wallet is incredible. It's a hacker's worst nightmare. They use a three-factor authentication, including 3D biometrics, so no one can access your wallet except for you. And Zengo realizes that at different levels of the crypto journey, you have different needs. So they offer 27 support and have real people that are available to contact directly within the app. They have a bunch of different coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tezos, and more, and they have all sorts of NFTs available as well. So now for the first time, you can keep your crypto safe with the same tools that the big guys have used for years. Download Zengo, that's Z-E-N-G-O, and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's $20 back for your first purchase of 200 or more. Use code ATC and check out Zengo. And Bitcoin really has seemingly two value propositions that make it difficult to have it be a cash transaction. One is the latency on making an actual transaction. You know, it might take you know, minutes, whereas a credit card transaction is a couple seconds. And then it is expensive relative to uh, a credit card transaction or obviously a cash transaction, which would have no 
cost to transact in person. Lightning Network is designed to solve this and allow people to make fast and cheap transactions. Is there a structural challenge with Lightning that you think is preventing or somehow slowing adoption? I think it's marketing related. Um, mm. That's my personal opinion is that, uh, I mean, you've been around for a while as well. And you, you know the history and the block size war and how Lightning was promoted in that. And then it, it sort of uh, became this maximalistic thing and so on. And then that limits it to, to uh, again, to the intersection, right? To the people who are in the movement and, and also want to use it as a tool. Right, which is a small group, um, because there's many people in the movement that don't want to use it as a tool, and there's also a lot of people that want to use it as a tool that are not in the movement, and then, then it's hard to to reach them, uh, and so on. So, I think that, yeah, these are the things that that need to be figured out. But this is hard. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's hard stuff uh, figuring out. Uh, uh, product market fit. And I, I actually think that, um, and uh, I mean, if you've watched Bitrefill over the past six months, like we've launched a new brand and been doing a lot of like stunt marketing type things. Because uh, I, uh, I think that we need to make it exciting you know, to use Bitcoin. We may need to make it a, a lifestyle brand uh, that, uh, you know, hey, I'm the kind of person that. Right. Same as with whatever. I'm the kind of person that has an iPhone. I'm the kind of person that wears Levi's jeans and not H&M jeans uh, or whatever it may be. Right. It becomes a statement. And so what, I, I, what? I think that we, we need to make it cool and we need to make it cool, not just uh, within the context of uh, the community. Right. Uh, yeah, not just uh, that the people that like uh, the T-shirts with the orange prints on them, um, but uh, um but make it legit cool, uh, like, uh, you know, something that people can. Um, uh, yeah, get behind. Why do you think that is? I mean, part of, yeah. I, I, but part of me feels like there's a implicit waving of the flag of defeat there when uh, I hear you say that uh, Bitcoin in and of itself is not a strong enough value proposition that we kind of need some window dressing there. We need to like spice it up that behind the scenes, the product is like, not compelling. I mean, I would think if this solves a real problem in some variety of ways for people across the world, th it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as it's functionally useful and the UI that I'm using is simple enough to use, once I get it, I trust it, I get into a routine, it's like onto the races. And I don't need people to do stunt guerrilla marketing to make me feel cool because ultimately the people using it aren't going to be talking about it anyways. It's not like a t-shirt I'm wearing. Um, I'm also curious well, what, stunt, think, what 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 start marketing you've done. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think that uh, something like Bitcoin is, uh, um, especially in the transactional uh, scenario, there there needs to be you know many sides, right? I mean, somebody who is looking to spend their Bitcoin needs some way to get their Bitcoin. Uh, and vice versa, uh, because uh, nobody wants to get Bitcoin uh, if they can't spend it uh, later, right? So there's a bit of a chicken and egg uh, in there uh, that is uh, is tricky, uh, but also that there is um, 
you know, you, in, in the chicken and egg world, I mean, we're a provider of egg, let's say. <laughs> um, but you also need to reach out so that people know that, yeah, hey, there's egg there. And uh, if I get chicken, then I, I yeah. do the egg later. Then you get the uh, magic. So on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so there is, there's definitely a certain virality and there's certain audiences that, uh, that uh, find the, the value proposition and so on. But you also need to, um, you know, say that you're in uh, Nigeria and you're an IT worker and um, uh, you realize uh, that you can get paid in, in, in Bitcoin. Oh, that's great. And especially if you can, um, if you can uh, buy stuff with it and you can just get a, like a 30% increase of your salary. Uh, just by using this thing, that's that's great. Yeah, but then we need to communicate to those people before, uh, right? And then there is a lag uh, that sits in the back of their head. And then later, when they, hey, I actually found the job, they will pay me in Bitcoin. Okay. Now, uh, so, so there is there are these delays uh, because of the the chicken and egg factor that that makes it challenging. I think. Um, but these are just my my theses. Yeah. What other things do you think are are uh, we talked a little bit pre-show about uh, contrarian ideas? I'd love to hear what stands out to you in your mind as things that you feel uh, are contrarian to you. Are there specific? Do you, when you think of this question, do you think of crypto and monetary policy? Do you think of what comes to mind when you think of areas you think maybe society is most off base or? things that you feel strongly well about. i mean the society stuff is easy right i mean just go on uh, <laughs> twitter and you'll find all of the things and i would probably agree with most of it uh, i don't think i can add much uh, uh, there i think it's more interesting to be contrarian within uh, within the space um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we've learned a lot of things uh, that are contrarian you know like if you look at for example which wallets people use to to shop on bitrefill those the top most of them at least uh, uh, 70 80 percent of the wallets are are multi-coin wallets uh, right which is very not in line with uh, what uh, the bitcoin maximalist crowd uh, thinks and uh, i mean we're uh, i think ideologically in that direction as well as a company and uh, and so on and so it's, it's surprising right and probably like some of our maximalism shines through in some of the things but it it doesn't it does make sense in a lot of ways because again if you think about people that use it as a tool uh, then they're going to use uh, whatever tool is the most convenient well, yeah why is that surprising to me I'm, maybe i haven't picked up on the narrative of the alternative what's the alternative to multi currency wallets i mean I would imagine you're, you're well, the Bitcoin to... only wallets, let's say. Okay. Or this would be like BitPay or something. Are there examples of things you're. Yeah, well, you know, the blue wallet, your green wallet, uh, your. Uh, uh, there's a bunch of them. Uh, most Lightning wallets are only Bitcoin mm-hmm. um, and so on. And that's also part of the thing, right? I mean, if you, if you have. Uh, the, five different uh, cryptocurrencies uh, in your wallet and then this lightning thing requires you to use a separate wallet uh, well it's gonna be tough yeah i don't get it i don't see why what would be the is there some security advantage of having a, a bitcoin only wallet well the proponents would argue that uh, right yeah. i mean it's less 
less uh, exposure, less uh, risk exposure by building lots of features. There's high probability of uh, some security thing, and so on. Mm. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's just uh, that uh, that uh, you know there there's a lot of scams, cryptocurrency and uh, history. I've heard. It's, Full of scams. It's most mostly scams. So yeah, uh, you're if you say that it's all scams, you're gonna be right a lot. <laughs> yeah. Have a you lot. guys been uh, a vic? I mean, have you guys f- learned anything from a hack you've experienced or had any negative impact due to hackers, scammers, that kind of thing? I mean, scammers we get like our fair share. Uh, um, I think we do, do all right. Um, hacks, like the hacks that we've had, uh, well, I guess so far, knock on wood. Um, but uh, we've only had like someone abused uh, some uh, some obscure edge case, uh, refund code or something like that, uh, so on. So we we haven't been like proper uh, proper hacked and so on. I mean, we also don't keep. Uh, keep uh, bitcoins in hot wallets and stuff like that. So mm. there, there isn't that much to hack really with Bitcoin mm. either. Uh, plus, uh, I mean, uh, frankly, if you're uh, if you're a hacker, there there is uh, a lot juicier targets than Bitcoin. Yeah, um, yeah. Where you because you guys are probably simple. I'm sure you just you have a receiving Bitcoin wallet and you receive it and you probably move it into exchange and move it into whatever fiat you need or keep it in some cold storage wallet and that's it yeah not, and it's all kind of offline and separated from the yeah and so on so it's right hard to get to those yeah we we got we got crushed by a few hacks uh we had one we had one where we lost like half the half the money in our bitcoin i mean we were self-funded so we'd have like 50k in there for daily transactions and we had one where we lost like 75 percent which was a blowing transact blowing amount and then it's all it's always it was I shouldn't say it's ever simple, but in hindsight, you look at it and you're like, oh, that was a dumb mistake. We should have structured it differently. We had a open URL where we shouldn't have had an open URL or, you know, fell victims to some relatively simple, non-technical exploit. Um, yeah, a lot of learnings. Security is often like that, right? Uh, the, the weakest point is the humans uh, and, the, and the simple stuff. And- we totally are. We absolutely are. Yeah. Yeah, I interviewed a security expert a few days ago, and that was his underscore. That was his point was like, the 80% of it is people. He's like, even in his company, he talked about one of the engineers, or this is another interview, one of the engineers fell victim to, you know, somebody messaging him, pretending to be on the team, and, you know, blah, 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 and convince them to do something, and they l- end up losing millions. It was like, whew, it's wild. Um no, but we we do that like whenever we get a phishing email, uh, you know, we we post it in the uh, team chat and uh, uh, you know we we rank it uh, with emojis. Some of them are yeah. very. Uh, my, I think my favorite one was the came to everyone in the company from uh, our uh, our CFO uh, apparently uh, or made to appear like that, and then it was like. Uh, Team uh, team salary the, the document uh, and it looked like a Google spreadsheet, so it's very like you want to click that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, yeah. and that would what, 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 what typically would that go to? It'd be go to some page that's 
install some bug in your computer or like a virus? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, something that, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's browser exploits as well. So, uh, yeah. If you're unlucky and you have an old browser or whatever, yeah. You can't get your computer taken over. Yeah, better not to do it. I'm curious what we have a note here uh, on the show notes for El Salvador. What what's what's up with El Salvador? I know they are the first country, I believe, to recognize Bitcoin as legal tender in that country. Do you have a particular connection or through BitRefill have you guys done anything in conjunction or partnership with El Salvador? Yeah, we're we're doing a, a big effort in El Salvador. Um, mm. Yeah, we. M- m- Almost right off the bat, uh, decided that uh, hey, you know, it's never going to get easier than this. Um, it's a small country; it's a friendly government. There's no other um, uh, dominant uh, digital ways of paying each other. Uh, let's see if we can make it work. And so we went down there, almost the whole team, and we've been there. I've been there twice, and now we have three people mm. on the ground. Uh, working there, we launched um, uh, our bill payment service there. Uh, that was the first country that we did that in, and then we kind of used those learnings to to uh, to streamline our uh, our uh, US focused bill pay service. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, we're still trying to figure it out, you know. But we are already the number one thing that people buy with cryptocurrency in El Salvador is is uh, Bitrefill. Um, but we're still figuring it out um, because now we've gotten to the point where, you know, we picked off the, the low hanging fruit, uh, the people that are already using uh, Bitcoin or have an income in Bitcoin and so on. They, they know us, they use us. Uh, but okay, uh, now the challenges are uh, the really interesting ones. Okay, how do we get people that have no idea about Bitcoin or how do we get, uh, you know, some of the common people and what are the things that they want and how do we reach them with messaging? Yeah, because again, they're not going to go to Bitcoin Beach uh, or to conferences or hang out on Twitter or any of that. Yeah, and, uh, and that's where we are right now. We're, um, we're, the hope is that if we crack it, then, uh, well, no matter what we do, uh, even if, uh, if we don't, it will still uh, provide very valuable. Uh, insights uh, in terms of like how to uh, how to market uh, this sort of thing to, to a broad audience. And what speci- what specifically is working? So you got three people there. Are they putting flyers on cars? Are they going to businesses one by one? Uh, like, well, not not so much yet. I mean, uh, uh, so far it's been like setting up the bill pay service, a couple of other partnerships uh, with uh, things that you can buy on Bitrefill. Um, presence uh, uh, locally, uh, hey, starting from the Bitcoin uh, hotspots uh, and then moving outwards from there. Um, we've done a little bit of the flyer thing and probably going to do more. Um, a lot of it is learning. Like uh, I think a big part of marketing uh, that people forget is not the not just the outwards facing, but the inwards uh, um, mm-hmm. communication and. Uh, understanding uh, what the different challenges are and uh, trying to figure out a way to solve them uh, if that's possible and then yeah what you have that uh, figure out how to communicate that right so in el salvador they're roughly when did they announce that about a year a little over a year ago feels yeah about a year ago and how is it going what did you what have you learned 
that it's hard. Yeah. yeah. People are. It's harder than anyone thinks. And even if the government uh, is well meaning uh, with regards to Bitcoin, uh, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, because, again, most people, just because the government says something, uh, doesn't mean that they're going to do that. Uh, so uh, sometimes it can, it can even be counterproductive if you don't particularly trust your government, which is common in uh, that part of the world. So, yeah. Um, it's still challenging, you know, and uh, hey, governments are not entrepreneurs. Uh, so so I, I don't think we should expect governments to fix these things uh, that us uh, um, startups have been working on for years and years. Uh, and they just show up. And uh, I mean, a government is a government. And I think that the best thing that a government can do is to, you know, enable things uh, uh, from a regulatory standpoint and you know, then try to get out of people's way. And if uh, if the, you can sweep the ground uh, ahead of someone, then that's great. Um, but if you can't, uh, then probably it's best to sort of uh, you know just create a, try to create an environment for uh, for entrepreneurship uh, and uh, uh, let those who do that uh, do those things. Do, do you have a sense for uh, whether people in El Salvador understand? the concept of Bitcoin completely, namely, specifically, the idea of a trustless currency. And if that's... So largely, they still don't. They think somehow this is part of the government. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's something the government created uh, and uh, uh, thrust upon us. And and it's this strange thing. Uh, I mean, like... We're building this trustless thing, uh, right? And so we always talk about trustless, but in reality, there is a lot of trust. You need to trust uh, that uh, the wallet that you're using is legit and that it's not going to get hacked. You need to trust uh, in uh, if you're not sophisticated enough to review open source uh, software, then you need to trust in the other people that did, uh, uh, right? And so, so th- I mean, there, there's a lot of trust and. I think if you think back on the time when when you were early in the space and all of us, there is a process, right, uh, of uh, warming up to something. There's also, I guess, first time that you pay somebody in uh, in cryptocurrency, uh, you know, they're going to be like, hey, should I uh, spell out uh, the address over the phone? And maybe you can send a small transaction first and then, uh, which exchange rate are we going to use? Can we agree uh, on on this website? And then we do uh, one, two, three, send. Yeah, right. Like all of these things, uh, because it's new and unusual, uh, and it, it is uh, you know lawless in in this in uh, in in that sense. Uh, so if you fuck something up, uh, there's yeah. no yeah, no recourse. Uh, and so trust takes a bit of time to develop, uh, uh, right? And you need to. I think, uh, you know, be involved with your hands, like touch it, use it. uh, And once you've done that a couple of times, you're like, okay, I I get the gist of it. And like, where do, where do I keep my 12 word poem? Um, and, uh, all of these, uh, uh, all of these things. But I mean, I think it's, there's, you know, Saru is even deeper than that. uh, Right. I mean, uh, the majority of society is unbanked. Yeah. So the understanding of money is that money is made of paper uh, and it's green. Uh, they use American dollars uh, and that is the definition of money. And so like 
being able to trust that money is a number in an app, uh, even if that number isn't weird decimals of something, uh, even if the number is just dollars in an app, that's a lot. Um, and I think that it's easy to forget um, uh, when you're living in a cashless society um, what it was like uh, in the in the early days. Uh, you know, I mean, the early days of e-commerce, people were afraid of typing in the credit card number into this website thing. Yeah, and a lot of there was a lot of scams, a lot of problems, security issues, this and that. Yeah, mm. uh, right. So, I mean, some of these things take time, and what, yeah. what we're trying to achieve is uh, society-level behavioral change, and uh, that doesn't come easy. Yeah. So, there, there's a lot of stuff, and, and Bitcoin involves like all of these things, right? It's okay. You need to trust money in an app that has some silly name and. Uh, uh, made by some com- startup somewhere. Do I trust that? Uh, I don't know. And there's these nerds, and they're loud on Twitter. Uh, okay, and yeah. and uh, and the president says this is good, but I don't know. Uh, and uh, all, all of that stuff, uh, it, it's a lot. Yeah, and, fr- uh, and, and frankly, uh, if you have cash in your hand and you're comparing it to that, and your primary concern is the security of that currency. It's hard to beat that. I mean, you're just Bitcoin is not going to be faster. It's not going to be cheaper, and it's not going to be more secure if your primary method of transactions are cash. And it can be faster. Um, uh, y- you have to keep in mind uh, that yeah, for a lot of things. Uh, I mean, uh, y- y- you know, like if you look at the time for like a regular person, uh, how long they spend queuing for things. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, uh, you yeah. know, like, hey, ETMs. pay your bills. Yeah. Uh, it's it's faster. Your bills in El Salvador, you don't have a bank account. You you need it's a it's a process that involves pants, hmm. uh, right? Yeah, uh, you need to put your pants on, maybe your hat, your briefcase, and you go to the special place. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it's near to where you live, but maybe it isn't. So maybe you need to get your your car or your bicycle or whatever. Yeah, you need to go there. You need to queue after the other people that are also queuing there. Yeah. It takes time, right? So there's a lot of convenience in being able to do that yourself. Uh, but then that leads to the other question, uh, which is, okay, sure, but how do I, wh- where do I get Bitcoin in the first place? Ah, actually, you need to go to a special place. You need to queue in front of an ATM, blah, blah, right? So th- there's, again, all of these chicken and egg dynamics uh, 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 or uh, if you're like, yeah, but there's remittances. Okay, there's a hundred problems with that as well. But if you go, uh, somebody receives a remittance uh, in in Bitcoin, or if they got the free Bitcoin from the government, what do you do with it? Yeah, well, you cash it out to cash right away. Uh, so then you go to the thing, you go to the ATM, you queue up, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so on. And and that's kind of like, I mean, it, it's in a lot of ways, it's symbolic of where. Uh, even in the Western world, uh, where crypto is, uh, in, in that it's, uh, we talk so much about living bankless and cut the cord, fuck the banks, all of that. But we're also like, hey, can I get a bank account? And hey, here's my KYC information so I can sign up to the website and so on, right? And so you'll have, it doesn't matter if you're talking to a Bitcoin maxi or like a, a DeFi yield degen, mm-hmm. um, it's still going to be that whatever cryptocurrency is to them, it's still usually you go through a bank to a centralized financial institution. Then you get your crypto, you do whatever crypto things that you want to do. Then you go to another financial institution uh, and then up to a bank, right? 
And so in a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's in this bizarre world where you know, it's, a, it's a bit like, imagine we invented email today with all of the tech that we have. And people would send emails by like writing them on a piece of paper, photographing the paper with their iPhone camera, sending it to someone who prints it on paper, reads it from the paper. It's like, there's benefits, yeah, but a lot of the benefits are lost um, uh, compared to being able to live in, in the digital uh, layer. Yeah, but in order to be able to live in, in the digital uh, layer, there's a lot of this uh, chicken and egg effects uh, that that need to be overcome, uh, and uh, it's not trivial. Yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, I've heard the, I've heard Bitcoin described as a, a countermeasure, a protective mechanism for political instability. And so the more people are buying into crypto, the more it's effectively a prediction for political uncertainty. And I think somewhere, I heard a stat somewhere recently that Ukraine, uh, like 50% of the the value saved accrued by people in Ukraine and Ukraine's government is in Bitcoin. I don't know. I'd have to fact check that, but I've heard that loosely. Either way, conceptually, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Ty- I think people in Taiwan, if you live in a country that is on the end, in the higher end of the spectrum of political uncertainty, it would make more sense to have Bitcoin. I guess, would you agree? Sure, but that's only a concern for your savings. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, you don't concern yourself with political uh, uh, uncertainty if your buddy pays you back ten bucks uh, from lunch, uh, and you're going to go and uh, buy uh, Snickers in the grocery store. Uh, then the political uncertainty and the general security aspects are less important in in, in that scenario, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, so these are things that are like uh, important. Uh, uh, to understand, I think we, we are much better with that case with the uh, with the investment, political uncertainty, and so on. Um, but I also firmly believe that uh, that case is also completely useless if uh, uh, if there is no way to use that money as money. Um, what, what would be an example of you saying how in a scenario where you couldn't use Bitcoin? Well, I mean, if uh, the only way to use Bitcoin is um, to always uh, use a, a, a bank and a financial institution that handles Bitcoin, uh, then it's trivial to turn off, right? I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Biden wakes up on the wrong side of the bed one day and he decides no more Bitcoin. Okay, um, what does Bitcoin in the US look like? Aha, then there's going to be... A, the people are like, oh, okay, maybe I should get a wallet. How do I buy Bitcoin without uh, yeah, without going through a bank and, and all of that stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah, like it's. Um, I think that uh, if we're really um, building a better type of money, uh, if we truly are doing that, then we can't uh, rely uh, entirely on the incumbents. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. All of these Bitcoin companies that are like uh, 
uh, with the left hand, fuck the banks, and with the right hand, please give us a bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it, it's contradictory. And then, like, what do you expect? Do you expect that uh, you go on a podcast uh, saying fuck the banks, and then the next day you put on your nice shirt and you go to the bank, and they're going to be like, oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you, you know, I think it's... Uh, something that we we need to be 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 mindful of uh, you know for building yeah i mean imagine if the internet was dependent on the postal service yeah right again like um, they wouldn't have taken off like we're building our own thing here right from the bottom up okay that's great um but then can we really build it uh, bottom up uh, and uh, or do we actually need to uh, to rely on uh, uh, on the old world, and if we always have to rely on the old world, well, then what? It, well, I think there's there's multiple multiple things to tease out here. One is the transition process, so like the adoption phase, which you unquestionably have to move liquidity from the traditional financial system into the new system, and so people have money in their bank that literally has to go from there into the cryptocurrency world. So that most likely would be, in the simplest form, uh, an exchange that's integrated into the banks. Alternatively, you know, there might be ways to to route that, withdraw your money into cash, and then that move from cash into Bitcoin. But somehow it's moving from your bank into cryptocurrency. Then I think there's also the the question of how does it look long term, and what is the uh, long term horizon resistance from governments. And my my general thesis is that governments will resist it in the long run when they view the mass scale adoption, particularly of employers, to distribute salaries in currencies. I think that's the underappreciated aspect to the whole circulatory financial system, because when money is, if you have the option to get paid out in Bitcoin, well, now we can we can completely ignore the dollar. You can get paid in Bitcoin. You could spend it at merchants in Bitcoin. You could pay rent in Bitcoin. You could accept it. And now it's like, oh, remember that dollar? We're kind of people are forgetting about it. And that's where I think when governments, in particular the United States, as it sets the monetary policy for the world, has adopted crypto largely because it's it's come so quickly. And I think the the overall adoption has been so largely positive. It's, and also, I think the other massive psychological influence was the positive effect of trailing f- fiscal policies or regulatory policies for the internet. The one thing the United States got right on regulatory policy when Bill Clinton was in office was let's not regulate the internet before the internet is built. Let's let, let that shit just run, let it be built, and then we'll, we'll trail that. And that worked tremendously well. That policy, I think that because it's been relatively recent, like 20, 25 years ago, people are carrying that same philosophy around crypto. I think the rub is when, like I just mentioned on the the employers, when they start pushing out salary in, in Bitcoin, if you could pay taxes in Bitcoin, that would be, I mean, that would be effectively checkmate because you wouldn't need it. But then how does the government, what is the, what is the government just soft land? You can pay some taxes with betrayal, like municipal taxes and whatnot. Oh, really? Yes, in the U.S. Some, uh, and is that so? This is through your bill pay system, where I send bit refill, a hundred dollars in Bitcoin, and then you mail out a check or send a wire transfer, ACH, in the banking system. Yeah, something like that. Gotcha. Yeah, 
I mean, that, that's still a but bridge. Yeah, no, yeah. You, I, 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 of course, mm-hmm. uh, we're also a bridge uh, to mm-hmm. the fiat world. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's be honest about that. No, we're just a little bit re- less uh, uh, reliant, uh, or at least uh, we enable our customers to be less reliant on, uh, on the yeah. banking uh, infrastructure. Um, but yeah, no, you, 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 you're absolutely right. And uh, I mean, uh, another big thing is uh, obviously on the, a, a typical government's ability to print money. Uh, yeah. I mean, I the most recent thing I heard about Ukraine is that they banned uh, uh, buying Bitcoin uh, with uh, Ukrainian Rivnas. See, why would they do that? That's that's surprising to me. W- what's the philosophy? Because, because they don't want people to uh, to uh, sell their Rivnas uh, uh, for Bitcoin, which would devaluate it. And right. they need the fiat currency in order to print new so they can buy tanks so they, they yeah. can uh, defeat the invaders. Yeah. Um, and, and which I, I think, uh, you know, I, I disagree with that particular decision, but it, uh, it is a sensible decision, uh, I think. Uh, it, it's not like the usual Bitcoin bans in countries that are usually just dumb. This is uh, thought through and uh, from attitude where they understand it. Do you, do you think it's no coincidence that El Salvador, that was the first country to adopt Bitcoin, doesn't have its own currency, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so they already are in the position where they can't print money. So they have much less to lose uh, in that regard uh, in using Bitcoin because they're using US dollars anyway. And the Americans are printing dollars and that benefits uh, the Americans, but it doesn't benefit Salvadorans. Mm, That's very true. So Uh, do do you think that uh, the decision by the Ukraine government to ban the trading of uh, Ukraine, what's the, what is it? They only banned it one way, by the way. They only banned uh, buying Bitcoin. They, they didn't buy selling Bitcoin. Oh, okay. And, uh, selling Bitcoin. And what what part of that do you just sell Bitcoin? You can money can come in. It just can't go out. Right. What part of that do you disagree? Because from my perspective, I can see this tragedy of the commons where everyone individually is incentivized to do what's best for them, and that what's best for them may be to stay and fight for the country. You know, considering their options, or it may be to leave. It may be to move their money into Bitcoin, or it may be to keep it. I can see a scenario where everyone wants to move into Bitcoin because the it's almost like a tragedy of the commons is where you do what's best for you, but then collectively, when everyone does that, it's worse for everyone. What 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 do you think should happen there? I mean, uh, I'm a I'm a liberty minded person. Uh, I think uh, all of us in the space are, uh, and uh, so I tend to lean on the on the side of individual liberties. Uh, but uh, you you do need to be sober about the the other fact. Uh, you know the other side has arguments as well, uh, and so. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like uh, I guess that's a contrarian view. Like I've uh, the Ukraine war has uh, has helped me understand uh, one of the benefits of nation states and everything that comes with that. Uh, right? I mean, the functionality of a nation. Primary feature of a nation state is to protect people from other people that make nation states. Yeah, and uh, and that's a pretty strong selling point. <laughs> uh, also uh, security-minded, and it's one that gets forgotten, right, in, in peacetime, uh, where we focus on other issues. Uh, you know, uh, we have to treat everybody equally and be nice to each other and all of these things, and, and individual liberties are important, this and that, but then there's also like, hey, shit, shit, they, they're showing up in our country and killing us. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
it's one of these things and uh, I, I i think that uh, probably okay here's a controversial opinion i mean uh, a country that has a fiat currency uh, if they decide to abolish that uh, and move to bitcoin uh, entirely they are at a disadvantage uh, and at a risk uh, of being invaded uh, by a uh, by another country that can print money and uh, then has a lot more resources. Uh, so I think that if we want to get Bitcoin ad- adopted in, in, in the world uh, and by enhancing, uh, again, enhancing individual liberties uh, uh, as opposed to uh, the state uh, state's uh, uh, rights and abilities, um, then it's a good thing if we do it evenly across the world. Mm. Um, it's not uh, uh, just hollowing out one state it doesn't get us to a better world. Uh, but I think that the world where individuals have a lot more more freedom, uh, generally, globally, uh, that does get us there. Mm. Um, do, do you feel that when individuals have the freedom to choose their own uh, currency, uh, that there, is, there can be a disadvantage with that. Like what, when you said earlier that when governments have the ability to print money, they have more resources. Effectively, they, they don't have more resources, but they have more representative currency, which leads to inflation when they print more and more money. Maybe that's a lagging factor. Inflation is lagging so that if they needed to buy, you know, 50 tanks for a couple billion, they print that money, buy the tanks, inflation comes later. There's a short-term gain, probably a long-term loss on inflation. Um, do you feel like, in, do you feel well, like- uh, Sometimes you have to take the short-term gain. Totally. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 or else you'll all be dead. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, like, we should also review the fact that you know the world was on the gold standard not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we had sound sound money uh, as a thing in the world, and what happened was a fiat outcompeted it uh, on on an open market of uh, of of nations. And uh, if you look at how the gold standard was abandoned uh, in favor of fiat or like, in the direction of fiat, or it was. You know, in the Roman days, they diluted uh, the coins and the silver and all of that. Like that often happens uh, under extreme pressure, such as, for example, war. Yeah, where, okay, we, we got to do something. Okay, let's make up some money out of thin air and uh, we'll figure it out later. Uh, and that does work uh, in the sense of that it helps you win the war. So, yeah, it's... Um, how much of this Ukraine Russia? Something to be aware of. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I know that when the U.S. Uh, unpegged the dollar from the gold standard, it was largely because the U.S. didn't have the gold backing to meet the representative value of what the tender was worth in gold. Right. And probably they had already start, started printing dollars a bit before that. Yeah. One thing I think that's under underappreciated or under talked about in the mainstream news on the Ukraine Russia war is th- any influence of a monetary policy that I, I think, I mean, tell me if you disagree, but what I'm sensing is like mainstream incentives on Russia is Russia is inheriting this legacy of the Soviet union and the idea of Ukraine being part of Russia. And so in their mind, they're taking back what's rightfully part of this union 
uh, and Ukraine obviously wants to remain independent. What doesn't get talked about is any influence of um, monetary policy or any financial gain from doing this. Is there? Is and it's I think in the West, many people in in many countries. I don't know if this is pervasive where you are, but at least in the U.S., there's just a lot of confusion. People ask, "Why is Russia doing this? Everything was cool. Ukraine wasn't causing any trouble." Why now? What's motivating it? And there's just so much confusion that I think it's uh, it's unmotivating to get involved. And and largely the U.S. has taken a back back seat as far as what they could do. I, I, I don't know. Have you been able to make more sense of what's going on in the situation and how it could possibly be resolved? It's tough. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, uh, I mean, I think you have to understand that Russia is is not like America, but they speak a different language. Uh, and I think that in, in peacetime, it's, it's easy to uh, to assume uh, mm-hmm. that to be the case. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, uh, there's been an ongoing war for uh, for eight years, and it's not even the first one that r- where Russia has done this sort of thing. There is definitely uh, parts in, uh, in the Russian uh, culture that... Uh, 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 that uh, thinks uh, of itself as a, as an empire, as a great nation. Um, there is stuff in the Russian culture that is uh, um, that that at the same time feels like they're being mistreated, uh, unfairly treated, uh, uh, right? So, like you know, in in sports, it's always like, hey, they're only doping testing our guys. Uh, they're not doping testing the other ones. Why are our, our athletes the only ones getting caught? Right? There's all of these things that like, uh, and this this is old stuff. This predates the Soviet Union. Yeah, uh, so you know, there's no free media, uh, so people have been uh, been consuming uh, stories about um, about the Nazis in Ukraine and all of that and. Uh, it is, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot uh, there, and the, but I think that probably most people in Russia don't particularly want the war. Um, my personal intuition, uh, but hey, the country is doing the thing, so I guess now we have to do the thing, and uh, and and people get on board. And if you're a soldier and the, uh, your commander says you go, then you go, and you don't mega question it um i mean there's th- there's other examples of that i mean uh, i don't i don't want to we're already i guess quite political but i mean the u.s has been like why did the americans go to vietnam and um, totally and what did they did the average uh, uh, soldier understand about uh, uh, the geopolitical aspects of it and all of that uh, you know hey now there's a war okay totally. let's go no, uh, that so, dumb, dumbass decision. I mean, in hindsight, I think it's it's largely looked on as like a giant fucking mistake, and something that Nixon did for his own ego. And some of the stuff that was like publicly leaked with the, the conversations he had was like, I, I mean, it's a, it's a shameful act as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know many people who have any other opinions on that other other than that. I mean, it's clearly, overtly, yeah. undisputably a failure politically and 
I mean, in terms of the Russia war, I know very little about Vietnam war. So uh, let's, uh, I might get flamed uh, for my lack of history knowledge. And <laughs> but I mean, if you if you if you look at um, you know, the current situation, I mean, it's very clear that the Russians expected uh, this to be a, be a quick military operation. We we go in, uh, rush to the capital, kill the president. Uh, they had a political. Yeah, system prepared of people that would step into power and then you call an election and then you rig the election and then everything is good. And I think that, that was the plan. And they, 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 they believed their own bullshit, uh, that, uh, yeah, there won't be so much resistance. It's just a couple of Nazis and this and that, and they will all fo- uh, fold in and they're all just Russians anyway. And, and, uh, and yeah. 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 I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, <laughs> given that was what their incentives were. So. But now they're stuck, right? Now they're pot committed, um, and the cognitive dissonance works uh, in the way that, hey, I did a bunch of stuff. Uh, must have been for good cause. Dude. Yeah, right. I invaded this country and I uh, shot some people, so I guess I must have had some reasons. And uh, or the reason, oh, there was Nazis. Yeah, yeah, there was Nazis. Mm-hmm. That's why I did it. And then you kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I think the answer here is like offer them the golden bridge to retreat you know make it make it a good package and really compelling so you can allow the russian leadership to save face i don't know no one wants a world war so you optimize and say no we don't want a world war with nuclear missiles we already have a world war yeah let's just let's just acknowledge it there is already a world war well there is not currently nuclear missiles We we can win it uh i don't think there would be yeah i don't think there would be um well, why? Why would I say they, they're not suicidal? There's not currently, but there has been. I mean, we've had had world wars where we people have dropped them, and I think why flirt with that outcome? You know, why even get close to that fence? It's like as least that's my view on it. Because otherwise, uh, that means that whoever has uh, nuclear weapons can do whatever they want forever. Yeah, and is that the world that we want to live in? Um, so. I don't know, but, you know, I mean, it's not a great news for nuclear non-proliferation um, this whole thing, if people have this attitude. I think the psychology of the, the psychology of the country that would use a nuclear weapon is one of desperation. And so I think a strategy from the opposing side should be resistance, but clearly not uh, a takeover or, you know, complete domination i think it's it's almost like two magnets you know well i don't i don't think takeover is needed i don't think anyone is suggesting to invade russia uh not even ukraine really so mm-hmm. i don't know i mean i i think that the trajectory of this is that russia will implode as a country mm. yeah the sanctions have to be tough right i mean god the whole world stopped trading with russia outside of what china and a couple other middle eastern countries and it's like that's got to be that's got, I don't know. I don't know if you have friends that live there or what, but it, I just imagine people are experiencing massive sh- shortages and at least some supplies or currency volatility. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> glory. Yeah. Beautiful topic. Back to Bitcoin stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting how uh, it does. That was the contrarian thoughts yeah. uh, about benefits. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if there's, I mean, I think a lot of people, I think these conversations are great. I, I certainly try to normalize political conversations. My disposition is to be open-minded and curious as to what other people's opinions have that are different than mine and explore why they believe those, what grounds do they have to believe them. I think the more things, more people shy away from hard conversations, the more those topics tend to like grow and become 
you know, so large that they're out of control. So thank you, Sergey, for indulging me and in going into the Ukraine, uh, Russia conversation. And it was beautiful how it parlayed with yeah, it was fun. Bitcoin and, the, and world currencies, which, you know, translate back to what we are, we're working on on day to day. It is also, I'll, I'll say this. It's, I find it personally very meaningful to know that what you're working on has an impact in the bigger picture. That, okay, yeah, you do gift cards, Bitcoin transactions, but that's interwoven into the fabric and society of the entire world. It's like, it may not feel that, you know, when you're solving some stupid bug on the front web page or something, but it it ultimately it's, it's an actor in the, in the big picture. And that, that's why I love this space. I mean, uh, if I can, uh, yeah, we were just, uh, some of us were at the Oslo Freedom Forum, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and, uh, y- you know, it's not a conference about Bitcoin. There were some Bitcoiners there and, and so on, but, uh, it's, it's a conference for and about people that actually put their neck on the line uh, for freedom. Yeah. Like literally, yeah. You know, there's like past attendees that are in jail or some are dead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's, uh, very humbling to sort of, uh, um, you know, to, to realize that you know our internet money hobby uh, that we're doing for nerdy reasons uh, uh, for some years you know in some small part uh, is helpful to some of these uh, uh, these people and organizations and yeah uh, it's uh, yeah it's it's refreshing to see i think what i think is that we should try to embrace that more uh, within the community. Uh, I think we've gotten so deep into this. Uh, uh, it's an uh, investment. Right. It's totally. great. You know, it, it is all of that, but like, it's also a tool for freedom in the world. And, um, and there is, a, I just imagine a world in which it becomes seen that, you know, Bitcoiners uh, are a group that, uh, well, there's a lot of wealth and they fund the freedom in the world uh, uh, and also provide uh, functionality for that freedom to happen. And uh, how amazing would that be if we achieved that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's headed in that direction and it's not going to be a single day that it happens, but it's things like El Salvador adopting it as a national currency. It's things like large companies purchasing Bitcoin as part of their asset holdings it's the culmination of all the conversations that are happening in the collective zeitgeist awareness. So I think it's like, it's just bubbling, man. It's just, it's, it's not slowing down. That is for sure. Prices go up and down, but overall the proliferation of the ideology, the concepts, it's like definitely marching forward. Well, keep doing what you're doing, Sergey. Are you active personally? Are you writing, tweeting, anything you want to throw out there? Uh, We'll have links for all the company stuff in the show notes, but anything on your personal side? Yeah, well, you can link to my personal Twitter as well. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm active. Nice. You can, you can DM me if you think I'm full of shit <laughs> or whatever. Uh, it, it will definitely be read. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, didn't expect us to, to go into this direction, but uh, it was a fun conversation. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. And hope to have you back on someday. Keep doing your thing. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 